1: The big blue sky was watching us And the breeze was listening to us tell our tale The sun stayed up just long enough to make it clear Just what we are doing. I was born to love you. I will die and go back to stardust. All I know about being alive is that life's for the living. I ain't seeking salvation. Not too worried about damnation. I got little expectation and as such I ain't easily let down All I really want to do is be close to you while we're still both around Blue sky was watching us And the breeze was listening to us tell our tale The sun stayed up just long enough to make it clear Just what we are doing here I was born to love you I will die and go back to stardust All I know about being alive that lies for the living I ain't seeking salvation Not to worry about damnation I got little expectation And as such I ain't easily let down All I really want to do Is be close to you while we're still both around all I really want to do is be close to you while we're still
2: both around. Let us pray. Lord, for this glorious day, for the birds chirping, I give you thanks. For getting us out of bed, for putting us on our feet and getting us here, Those are no small things. We give you thanks. We give you thanks, O Lord, for the gift of gathering and for this opportunity to sing your praise together.
1: its glow may reach you for
2: The definition of sin is that we fall short. You and I, we fall short of our own expectations for ourselves. We fall short of others' expectations, people who love us. And we fall short of the expectations that God has for our life. The good news though, the good news even before we confess a sin is we get to hear the good news of Jesus' grace for us. Jesus is constantly handing out the gift of grace like it's His job and it's our job to receive it freely as a gift. So I invite you to pray with me the words printed in your program, The Prayer of Admission, and then to pray silently. Let us pray. Jesus, your love doesn't let us go, and that is good news because we need it. Forgive us when we fall short of your calling. Pick us up, dust us off, and nudge us to try again. Orient us beyond ourselves to seek goodness in all of your creation, hear us now as we pray silently. Beloved, receive this good news of the gospel, you are enough. Not by your own efforts, but by the grace of Christ, you are enough. God loves you more than you could ever know. So receive the good news of the gospel in Jesus Christ, we are forgiven, we get to live at peace. Thanks be to God.
0: As we continue this sermon series, uh, looking at Holy Interruptions, which Dawn started last week, we now turn to the Gospel of John. Chapter 8, verses 2 through 11. Feel free to follow along in your program. Hear now God's word for us today. Early in the morning, he, Jesus, came again to the temple. And all the people came to him, and he sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and making her stand before all of them. They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery, Now, in the law of Moses, it commands us to stone such a woman. What do you say? They said this to test him, so that they might have some ground to bring a charge against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And once again, he bent down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they went away, one by one, beginning with the elders. And Jesus was left alone with this woman standing before him. Jesus straightened up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, sir. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go your way. And from now on, do not sin again. Friends, this is the word of God to us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I imagine a young Jewish scribe returning home. He's walked many miles with his head down, miles from the temple in Jerusalem, and he's been thinking. His feet are caked with sand. His linen robe is soaked with sweat. And his mind is is focused, somewhat introspective. As painful as it often is, he's working to examine his own heart. He enters the house and he doesn't talk. He doesn't say hello to his wife, to his servants, to his children. He's still grappling with what just happened. And he doesn't know whether to be fuming or to be sad, angry at the world or disappointed in himself. He's wrestling with all the knowledge he has on Jewish law that's wrapped in his head. He's scanning his internal database of memorized scripture, still attempting to find a rebuttal to an answer given hours ago. Echoing in his head are those words from that heretic from Galilee. Anyone who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. It was an answer that neither him nor the group he was a part of expected. It was an answer that forced him to drop his murder weapon at the scene of the almost crime, now lays a simple stone among dozens of others. The trajectory of his day was drastically interrupted, not because of some big fight or an altercation. His day's interruption began with a question. What do you say? Questions are in our DNA at downtown church. Our website says that we ask honest questions and find God as we seek answers. On a Zoom book study this week, a member of the church said, that's what keeps me coming to downtown church. We're not afraid to ask the questions that everyone's thinking. And we do ask honest questions, lots of questions. Maybe it's because of all the lawyers we have in the congregation. (laughs) But to be honest, the hardest questions I hear come from our littlest disciples, our tiny theologians. And we're having a pool party today, too. Shameless plug. Come find me afterwards. Questions like, why do people hurt? How did God create the world? What is wind? It's no wonder Jesus once said that we must act like children to inherit the kingdom of God. Anyone here who has any relationship with children know that kids don't need any school to earn a PhD in the ability to ask interrupting questions. After college, I spent a season as a children's ski instructor in Beaver Creek, Colorado, Every day, I'd load up my class of munchkins, and we'd head up on the gondola to learn a little bit about skiing and also drink gallons of hot chocolate. I remember this time when I was teaching what I thought was a really good lesson about parallel turns. I had this great activity where kids would slap their foot on the ground, and slowly their pizza wedge would turn into a parallel skiing. We call it beaver tails. And so all of a sudden, during this great lesson, a hand shoots up and says, Mr. Lucas, what kind of tree is that? <laughs> questions interrupt. They interrupt our days, they interrupt our slopeside lessons, and ultimately they interrupt our lives. Questions interrupted both Jesus, this vulnerable woman, and this misguided crowd. But as we see in Scripture, not all questions are asked with the same intent. A lawyer friend of mine in Atlanta was preparing for litigation when he told me how, when he cross-examines and examines a witness on trial, he never asks a question he doesn't already know the answer to. Lawyers carefully craft their questions to get the answer that they believe will help them win a case. Children do the same, too. That's the sort of energy that scribes and Pharisees are bringing when they ask Jesus his question. Jesus might be in the temple, but to the Pharisees and the scribes, he is on trial taking the stand, defending his right to teach. And as the good Jewish leaders and scholars that they are, they know, and they know that Jesus knows Leviticus 20.10, which reads, If a man commits adultery with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress shall be put to death. It's right there. Plain and simple, black and white, there's no room for interpretation, biblical literalism at its finest. So with all of the knowledge and devout faith that they possess, they pose a simple question. What do you say? And the question may have interrupted Jesus, but it is Jesus' answer that interrupts the crowd. It's an answer that they did not expect. He didn't go off quoting scripture or go on an exegetical exploration of Leviticus. He says, anyone without sin, throw the first stone, and then continues playing in the sand. It's a mic drop. I imagine the men of this crowd, one by one, dropping their stones and returning home, tails tucked between their legs. What a turn their day has taken. And as we explore the theological importance of these holy interruptions, we look today at questions. And questions is questions' ability to interrupt. And those interruptions have the ability to transform. I mean, asking questions is one thing, but being prepared for an answer we don't like is another. As Don mentioned last week, when we don't control interruptions. The Holy Spirit shows up and transforms our actions to more align with the intentions of an interrupting God. In Scripture, this question, which was intended for bad, Jesus, Jesus used it for good. The question which was intended to give the authority to arrest Jesus rather gave Jesus an opportunity to teach about love. The question which was intended to grant this horde power to commit a violent crime was instead used to transform the masses of confused souls. And the power from this text comes that the transformation didn't end on that day. Like any story with Jesus or any story at all for that matter, the impacts exceed the page space. Like a stone dropped in a pond of water, its rings only grow outward. Outward, encompassing the many more women who were saved because of the legal precedent Jesus set here. Outward, living in and out of each member of this crowd's heart. Irish-Anglican cleric Jonathan Swift once said, We have just enough religion to make us hate each other, but not enough to make us love one another. The question was intended for hate, but Jesus used it for love. And I find it interesting that the crowd came to Jesus in the first place. I mean, the text tells us that it's because the scribes and the Pharisees wanted to trick Jesus. But it's not fair to simplify the label on this crowd as bad people. As much as we like to categorize people after one interaction, it didn't seem like Jesus was very interested in doing so. We are always greater than our actions. Our value, at least to Jesus, is not defined by what we do, rather by who we are, which is beautifully and wonderfully created beings. Complicated beings who are both sinners and saints. And because of this identity, I wonder if for some in this crowd, their priority wasn't to test Jesus. Maybe for some, they were tired of this age-old barbaric practice that needed to change. Maybe for some, they really wanted Jesus to interrupt them. Despite their passive participation in the crowd, they actively longed to drop their stones, to change. Maybe some of us want to change, want to be interrupted by God's Spirit. I mean, we're here, aren't we? We're here because we crave the grace that only Jesus can give to the woman, to the crowd, to us all. And it's true, we all have these stones, and we're ready to hurl them at someone, stones ready to be hurled at us, stones ready to hurl at ourselves, stones that we've been holding on to for so long that our arms are sore, stones of unfair judgment, of ignorant hatred, of division and xenophobia, of impatience and frustration. But Jesus knows that we are more than the stones that we hold. Jesus' final question to the woman. Where are they? Has no one condemned you? Where are they? They're dropping their stones. Let us do the same. Thanks be to God.
1: have to look into my eyes You don't need a secret code No need to play at being inspired And I Though I may speak to you in tongues We don't need rolls out of stones To know how this song is sung And that what I say is Yeah To say true, yes, yeah, true.
2: This
1: is what I say.
2: to take our own holy interruption. For those of you uh, who've never been here for that before, it's about five minutes where you can um, get a cup of coffee, you can stretch your legs. We're about to celebrate the sacrament of holy communion. So if you haven't gotten a little self-serve communion, I think that's what we're calling them, (laughs) I invite you to find one and we'll come back in about five minutes. Jesus says, come, come to the table, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest.
3: We give you thanks, O Lord, we give you thanks that your invitation does not have a VIP section. We give you thanks, O oh Lord, that there is enough for all. We can all share in the abundance at your table. We give you thanks, O oh Lord, for Jesus, our redeemer, our savior, and the grace that comes along with our relationship with him. We give you thanks, O oh Lord, for the peace, love, and joy found in your presence. We give you thanks, O oh Lord, for keeping this invitation open and available even when we don't feel like showing up. We praise you. Joining our voices with choirs of angels and with all the faithful of every time and place who forever sing to the glory of your name.
1: Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory, Hosanna In the name of the Lord Hosanna in the highest
3: And now we pray together the words Jesus taught us to pray Our Father who art in heaven Hallowed be thy name Thy kingdom come Thy will be done On earth as it is in heaven Give us this day our daily bread And forgive us our debts As we forgive our debtors And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory
2: forever. Amen. We remember that on the night, Jesus was betrayed by his friends. He took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And then he gave it to his friends saying, this is my body, broken and given for you. Take, eat, don't forget.
3: In the same way, he took the cup and blessed it and poured it out saying, this is the cup of salvation. Take, drink, do this in remembrance of me. Let us pray. God, thank you for feeding us. Thank you for sending Jesus who is the truth to guide our steps and lift our burdens. Thank you for sending Jesus to remind us to drop our stones. Thank you for the honest questions and the uncomfortable answers. And thank you for the companionship of the Holy Spirit that allows us to sit in those moments. We thank you for Jesus who does not condemn us, but equips us to go our way. May the sacrament that we have received encourage us to share your love and peace with others. Amen.
1: Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just Oh, for grace to trust Him more
0: trust in Jesus. Trust in the fact that Jesus knows that we are more than the stones that we hold. We are more than the stones that are thrown at us. So don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to be interrupted by those questions. As that you go out into the world, love God and love people. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds until we meet again. Friends, go in peace. Amen. If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me forward slash give.